The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Are you ready? From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, and thieves. Welcome to the Boston Podcast. My name is Dave. If you like the show, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. Share it with a friend. And if you want your own podcast, go to pod617.com to get started. That's uh, our little deal here, our company, the Boston Podcast Network. This is the podcast where we tell the stories of your city through the voices of your city. Can't think of a better example of that today. We're going to learn about an organization called Boston Uncornered. And I have the co-founder, Michelle Caldera. I'm sorry, Michelle. I'm already screwing up your name. Caldera. It's got to be Caldera, right? There you go. Yeah, that's exactly right. Caldera. And also Francisco DePina, who is the college readiness director. Do I have that right, Francisco? That's right. All right. Both from Boston and Corner. They're here in the virtual studio. So let's give them a little bit of love. As we record this, it's a Friday. How's your Friday going, Michelle? Not bad. I'm actually not in Boston right now, so I'm not dealing with snow that I apparently hear you guys have there. In April, in mid-April, <laughs> there's some snow on the ground. So not bad. Francisco, did you see the snow out there? What'd you think? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I love it. It's New England. That's <laughs> right. It's right. You can't complain. This is it's it's Friday, April. What is today? The sixteenth. And some people are on social media saying, "Oh my God, I can't believe it's snowing." This is where we live. This is what we do. Come on. We got a, a few years back. Well, it's more than a few, I guess. But we got a blizzard on April first. I remember digging three feet of snow that day. So don't complain if. You don't want to live in Florida. Come on. Everybody's crazy there. So Boston Uncornered, I admit, didn't know much about the organization. But from what I gather, you take kids who need some guidance on the way to college and maybe have become derailed in some fashion, and you get them uncornered and on their way to, to college. So how much of that do I have right, Michelle? Or, and how much can you please correct on my part? Uh, (laughs) That is generally right. You know, we do work with kids who we call core influencers. Boston and Cornered is a community-based model that we have been implemented, that we created about five years ago. It was created from this organization called College Bound that's been in the Dorchester community for more than 50 years. And the vision that we have is community transformation. And so over the years, if we done this work and we've done the research and we've looked at the insights that we have, one of the things that's really driving us now and has driven Boston Uncornered and what we created is that it's not just about what we do, but about who we're doing it with. So when we're talking about community transformation and we're talking about the challenges in communities and particularly communities stuck in challenges and we're looking at violence and urban violence. What we've seen is that, you know, we've tried to over the years, over the decades, address those challenges with interventions that we think leave a key part of the solution out. And that is 
you know, we focused on incarceration at a great, not just financial cost, but a social cost to all of us. And so we believe that those who are most closely involved with the challenges in communities can be the solution. And so we call those individuals core influencers, core influencers. Uh, And we think uh, that they are the agents of change for those communities. If we have the courage to get close to them, if we shift our mindset about, you know, that they're not bad people, if we allow uh, that they just have not had the resources or the opportunities to really live into their true potential. So Boston Uncornered was created to engage core influencers, to believe in them, to uplift their voices, to pour into them with love and resources. And we think that's going to bring about the change we see. And I think that's what we're seeing with the core influencer that I am honored to work with, Francisco. Mm-hmm. So Francisco, I want to hear your story in a moment. Just want to let people know you can go to uncornered.org for more information on Boston Uncornered. Just uncornered.org. I should have asked you, Michelle, where are you right now geographically? Geographically, I am in London. Wow. In the the UK. (laughs) So I am fortunate. I've been working with this organization for nine years and got the opportunity to move here through my husband's work and have been fortunate to be doing this uh, remotely for the last couple of years. Really? Um, That's a success story of technology, I suppose. Yeah. Well, we all, you know, you know, everybody that is in Boston in some fashion came from the UK at some point. (laughs) I mean, unless you're a Native American, I guess. All right. But I digress. So so Francisco, in addition to being a core influencer, now you're a success story. So I'm I'm sure you've told the story many times, but my listeners haven't heard it. So you were on your way to what you were looking for some guidance and got it through this organization. Tell us what happened. Yeah. So I've been working uh, with Boston on corner for um, 14 plus years. Now my introduction to the program was as a student, but my drive and determination to better my own community made me a perfect recruiter. I struggled in school and when I didn't receive the right support, all this acted out. You know, my, I remember my eighth grade teacher, told me by the time I was 18, I would be either be in uh, jail or dead. And by the ninth grade, I was uh, kicked out about from about two schools already. Mm. Uh, so I started to believe that for, for quite a while, that the street was it for me. And, and that's all I would ever amount to. But then I met someone um, that worked at College of Dorchester, a staff. And for some reason, he saw something in me and, and con- con- continued to you know check up on me. He wanted me to try out the program. And no matter how many times I gave up, you know, that door was always open for me. They never, you know, shut it all, told me I couldn't go back. Uh, he never gave up on checking up on me. And he just kept trying. And eventually I did it. And once I tried the program, it's, it was opportunity after opportunity from there. I worked from my way from a recruiter to a college readiness advisor to now a director of uh, college trading advisor. So I've experienced all sides of the program. This person, this mentor of yours must have been very persistent. What Do you remember the moment where you met this person and how they were able to persuade you to listen? Yeah, actually, when I first met this person, I was about to do something that would have changed my life. Negativity forever. And he saw me. Uh, and he knew about me because I live in the, in the, in the neighborhood. Um, that's the corner I hanged out on. And he saw me and he knew who I was and called out my name. And, you know, when I saw him, I, I turned around, I dipped, went home. Uh, I'm thinking that 
this guy was going to call a cop and here I am about to go to jail. Mm. Uh, but he didn't do that. You know, uh, the next day he saw me, he wanted to talk to me. And uh, for some reason, somehow he saw something in me, he saw potential in me. And he wanted uh, to give me an opportunity to change. And uh, that's exactly what he did. He never gave up on me. He kept supporting me until I was able to, you know, try it out and, and get it done. And do you get to return the favor now for uh, for the yeah. for other Franciscos, people that are younger versions of you? What's that like? Definitely. That's my, I say being a recruiter, I always say it's not a job for me. For me, it's personal because um, I still live in the same neighborhood. Like I've been on that corner, I've been in gang, I've sold drugs, I've done it all. So, but this time I get to, you know, walk down those corners in a positive way as a leader, you know, as a brother or someone who's there to support them. I get to talk to those guys that's on that corner living that lifestyle that I left behind. Uh, and the key to it all is never give up. Um, giving up is not an option for me. I continue to go back no matter how hard it is. And I know it's hard. But no matter how hard, I just keep going back because I know. And like Michelle said, these guys, they, they are smart. They are leaders. They are connected. And, um, and when you change their mindset, these are the guys that are going to be able to change the whole community. Michelle, there must be a lot of stories like Francisco's. Do you have a favorite one? Oh, well, Francisco's is my favorite one. Okay. Do you have a, do you have a um, second favorite one? <laughs> but, you know, I think, David, I think that's one of the things we saw. There are uh, so many individuals from the community who just need that opportunity, who need somebody to tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, you know, you're doing something that will change your life one way and you can actually use your influence and your power to do something else the other way. And one of the questions we got early on, you know, how many more Franciscos are there out in the community to do this work? And what we've seen is there are a lot and they, you know, because they, the folks that we hire as mentors, as college readiness advisors like Francisco have the shared experience of the young people that we're trying to engage because they have that shared experience they don't always get the opportunity to really you know enter into the professional work world in the same way and so we're saying here's an opportunity to use your skills your experience to do something good so there's you know we have right now on staff seven or eight, I always forget Francisco, college readiness advisors who are doing this work with. So there's, I think there's lots of stories out there. You know, Francisco is my favorite one. I think of Elias as well, another one of our college readiness advisors who tells the story of, you know, being locked up for a second time and coming out and trying to figure out, you know, how to stop that cycle, how to, you know, really give back to his community. So do you know how many people, kids you've helped along to college? Yeah. So there's been hundreds over, over the last few years, you know, right now, I think we have close to 50 enrolled in some level of post-secondary education. We've had about 20, over 25, I believe, that have completed post-secondary education. And we're looking to build this cycle so that those that have now completed, Francisco is, you know, heading up a program that we're calling a apprenticeship of a college readiness advisors. So those that are interested in this work that have gone through the program like he did can, you know, now step into it in, in that way. So Francisco, you ended up going to college or? I 
try to enroll in college. I plan to go back um, to take some business courses. Okay. Um, right now, I'm doing a CAT program that's helping me more, uh, you know, help the other, my other staffs, the other CRAs, you know, do better work and continue to do this incredible work that we do. What's your favorite part of what you do, Francisco? I think my favorite part, one, is, you know, being able to walk those um, streets and go on those corners and being able to connect with these guys in a way, you know, that make them want to change their mind and think about education. And, you know, second is Washington, you know, education hasn't been uh, in their life for a long time. It's been that corner, you know, watching them you know, across that stage when they're getting their high school policy diploma or, you know, graduating for college. That's my moment. That's when I'm happy. Mm-hmm. The city of Boston it isn't necessarily known as the gang capital of the U.S., but, you know, I, what do I know? I'm a dumb white suburban kid, but we, you know, the, there is talk, there's, there's certainly gang violence in Boston, but I've always thought not necessarily to the extent in like a New York or an LA, but what is it like now? I'll ask you that, Francisco. Is it different now than it was when years ago? It's definitely um, different. It's getting harder, I, I think. Really? Um, a lot of the corners, almost every corner you go on, you know, there's guys on the corner that needs that to be reached. So, mm-hmm. you, David, I want to, you know, I, th- I think that's interesting. One of one of the pieces of our work is to uncorner minds, as we like to say, and to really change the narrative, uh, not just about who our young people are, but about the, you know, I talked about the financial and social cost of this and that not a misconception, really, but I think folks don't realize always just the level of impact that violence is having on the city. Right. If you don't see it, if it's not happening on your corner, you know, you you think maybe it's not necessarily impactful to me. But core influencers in any city, not just in Boston, represent probably less than one percent of the population, even in cities like New York and Chicago. And they are involved in about 50 percent of homicides and 70 percent of shootings. Now, what that translates to for the rest of the community and the rest of the city is each shooting. And Boston has, on average, over the last few years, about 200 shootings a year. Mm-hmm. Each shooting conservatively costs the city, costs the state, about a million dollars. Now, how, now, why is that? In emergency services, and EMT services, hospital, the post-trauma care, mm-hmm. social services, that so it's you know, it's, it's all wrapped up into a lot of what it turns out to be the cost, everybody else in the community. So if we are, and again, I think what we've done at a really high financial cost is the strategy of locking people up. And that is the $55,000 a year per individual. Now at a much, much lower cost, we could be redirecting folks to different opportunities, to positive opportunities. And I think that's what we should be doing. That's what we're working towards. So Michelle, the big question is how can people help you? What do you need? Mm -hmm. Do you need donations, volunteers? What should people know? Yes, yes, yes. All of it. Yes. Thank you for Mm -hmm. uncorner.org is where people can go to learn more about what we're doing and how we do it. Right now, as we're still in the pandemic, we are doing the work remotely. So we are engaging with volunteer tutors. So folks who can sign up and, you know, get an introduction to us and be connected 
with one of our students to, to support their academic progress through tutoring. And we can walk you through the steps through the online platform that we're using. Francisco mentioned, you know, one of his favorite parts, mine as well, is the celebration that we do that will happen towards the end of summer in the fall is our milestones event where we celebrate the milestones of our students. So, you know, stay in touch with us through the website on social media and, you know, look out for that event. Do, do you sell the swag? Because that's a cool t-shirt you got there and I can see people wearing <laughs> Boston on corner. Uh, we don't sell the swag. Oh. Um, we don't have a mechanism set up right now to sell the swag, but certainly our donors are, you know, we have swag available for donors. Okay. So. Oh, well, there you go. So you can get, so you can get there one. You go. So I might just have to pony up some cash because these are pretty cool. I noticed Devin McCourty has been the Patriots, the defensive back. Devin McCourty has been supportive of the organization. What's his connection? Mm -hmm. What's his connection to Boston on Corner? So, you know, actually found us as something that he's interested in and talking about how education can really change lives. It's something he's uh, really connected to. And we connected with him and he sat down, he visited and, you know, connected with our students, with our staff, and uh, has continued to be supportive. So we're really grateful to him. Francisco, did you get to know him at all? Yeah, I did. He came down uh, to one of our organizations, and it was great to see him. Now, how a big uh, Patriots fan. <laughs> how did you know it wasn't Jason? I knew he was coming, so I, <laughs> I knew he was I know. coming. There's a... No, there's a yeah, this is a complete parenthesis here, but there's a story that Belichick... Oh, no, this is... It, it's good because Francisco, taught, the interesting is Devin said that you remind him of his teammate, James White. That's high praise. James, That's high praise. Yeah. Exactly. So. J- James White's fantastic. But uh, Coach Belichick tells a story about b- before one of the Super Bowls, he saw Devin McCourty outside in the hallway. This is before Jason was on the Patriots. And he was in street clothes. And he said, what are you doing? Get inside and get dressed. It's the Super Bowl, and then he realizes it's his twin brother. It wasn't him. It was it was Jason showing yeah, up just to yeah. watch the game. Anyway, once again, uncornered.org is where you go to support this great organization. I thank you guys so much for sharing the story. We're not done yet. We're going to play a quick round of good stuff before we go. But before we do that, I'll take just one minute to remind you what we do here at the Boston Podcast Network. Pod617.com is where you go if you want your own podcast. It's a great way to connect with your network, clients, potential clients, people that you want to keep good favor with because you'll invite them as a guest on your show. And by the way, we'll produce the whole thing from start to finish. We'll send you out a quality USB mic if you want to do it remotely. It's the way most people are still doing it these days, although our Westwood, Massachusetts studios are open and ready for business and very clean and sanitized, I assure you. I got my second shot today, by the way. So, oh, hey. congratulations. You guys get any yeah. shots yet? No, not yet. I got mine two weeks ago. I'm all set. You did? All right, Francisco. Come on. <laughs> What is it? Is it different? Is is the landscape different in in London? Are people getting shots or just slower? It is slightly different, but people are getting shots. I've gotten my first shot. Oh, good. The timeline between first and second here is much longer, so oh. I'm not due for my second until early June. So. Okay. Well, we look forward to that day when all three of us are inoculated. I'm very inoculated. much looking forward to it so that I can visit you guys again. <laughs> yeah, so we could maybe travel some of us. That would be nice. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so just to wrap up that message, pod617.com is where you go if you want your own podcast. The Boston Podcast Network, in pod we trust. Let's play a round of good stuff. Oh, that's the good stuff. 
All right. Michelle, I'm going to let you go first. Do you have something good to recommend? It can be anything at all to our listeners. So even during the pandemic, you know, I feel like we've had a ton of time and I like reading. Reading is one of my things, but I haven't found the time. And I feel like most of us, right, we've been so distracted and so much has been going on. But I picked up recently that I've been meaning to read uh, Trevor Noah's book, Born a Crime. And it is a really good read. I mean, whether or not you like him as a comedian, and I do, or watch the show, his story is interesting. And it's a fun, there's humor in it. There's uh, poignancy. So it's a great little book. That's cool. Yeah, Trevor Noah, I, have you enjoyed him as host of The Daily Show? Do you watch him at all? I've watched, I watch clips mostly. I don't know if yeah. I watch the whole show, but I, I catch here and there some of his shows. He's good. He's, I think he's still yet to find his real mojo, but the, he, right. he had such a tough act to follow and John Stewart. A tough act, exactly. Yeah. So, exactly. but I like Trevor Noah. Yeah. That, that, as you can imagine, the audio book and the regular book are available on Amazon, Trevor Noah, Born a Crime. That's a good one. I'm going to check it out. Francisco, you have something to recommend? Yeah, mine is actually a book, too, um, cool. one that I've been reading. I'm almost done, and it, uh, I love it. Uh, it's incredible. My favorite book of the year It's Believing uh, in People, Bottom-Up Solution for a Top-Down Word. Charles Koch, did you say? Yes. How does Charles spell his last name there? K-O-C-H. Oh, Koch, yeah. Some folks may, uh, that is the, the infamous Charles Koch, David, of the Koch Okay, the, 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 the very rich Cook brothers, sure. And yeah, I'm just trying to make sure we have believe in people, right? Yes. Believe, yeah, I got it here. Okay, so Amazon's not a sponsor of the show, people. I'm just doing this out of the goodness of my own heart so you people can find <laughs> the books we're recommending. But yes, believe in people, bottom-up solutions for a top-down world available on Amazon from Charles Cook. And why did you like that one, Francisco? It related to me a lot. You know, it, it talks about a lot about, you know, how, you know, the word is so used to, you know, not giving people from, you know, communities like mine the opportunity uh, to use their skills, their knowledge to do, to contribute, to do the right thing, being left behind. Um, so it was good um, to hear some of the stories in there. So some people who, you know, have spent years in prison, came home um, and went to, uh, was able to connect with their community and do some similar work that I'm doing. So it, it was a good book. Good call. I will recommend, this always happens, the guests are always smarter than me and they recommend books and I recommend TV shows. Uh, well, no, this is actually a, a movie. It's a documentary. It's called The State of Texas versus Melissa. It's about the first woman who's on death row in Texas, a first Hispanic woman, I should say. Can you guys see that on your screen? The state of Texas. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. I, can. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, our listener, uh, listeners, can you see it on your screen? I'm ah, just kidding. It's a podcast. All right, you guys can listen. These guys can watch. Here's a little bit of the trailer for the state of Texas versus Melissa. My name is Melissa Elizabeth Lucio. I'm 48 years old. I have 14 children. I've been on death row 11 years. There were bruises from head to toe. There were bruises on the face, in the hair, on the chest. This was the worst case of child abuse I had ever seen. Oh my gosh. You fell all the way down. From the first step up there, all the way down here. Imagine the baby falls. The baby? And did you see her fall, or did somebody tell you that's what had happened to her? Oh, the interview was never presented to the court, and none of those kids ever said that their mom was beating up on Mariah. So that's just a little bit of a taste of this. So if you're into the true crime 
documentaries, it becomes just a very interesting tale about how there's an ambitious prosecutor who's like running for DA in this particular county in Texas, I guess, who really wanted to make a name for himself. And so he kind of pushed forward prosecuting this woman. As you could probably tell from the trailer, it was her daughter who died. She was charged. The mom, Melissa, was charged with murder. But the it was, you know, the allegations of child abuse, bruises and such. But there's a, another version of the story where the kid just fell down the stairs. And it's the, it's a compelling documentary, The a lot of interviews with Melissa herself. And as will happen in so many of these stories, you know, two opposing schools of thought, you know, the prosecutor saying it was a done deal. And then everybody that knows her saying there's no way she could do it. So it's real and it's frustrating, but it's a great, it's a great documentary. It's frustrating because of you feel her frustration. So will you guys check that out? Report back to me. Tell me if you liked it. (laughs) I will check it out. I'm actually into true crime and it reminds me of the In the Dark podcast. Oh, yeah. After folks listen to this, they can listen to the In the Dark podcast. podcast. Yes, I've heard of it and another good one. Wow, you got two recommendations from Michelle here for the price of one. Oh, sorry. No, that's okay. You're allowed. I'm (laughs) overachieving. (laughs) Yes, yes. And that's what they do at Uncornered Boston, helping people every day. Francisco, thanks. I hope you had a good time. I did. Thank you, Dave. I did. All right. It's great to meet you. Thank you. Michelle, and thank you. And once again, just go to uncornered.org. Wait, I got that right, didn't I? Uncornered.org? Okay. I've only said it three or four times already. I should know it by now. Thanks to my new friends. Thanks to everybody for listening to the Boston Podcast. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. And if you would like to produce your own show, we can help you with that. Go to pod617.com to get started. On behalf of Michelle and Francisco, my name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. But if you're not from Boston... You must be the other guy. Have a great day, everybody. Oh,